to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message. Believe it or not, I've really been procrastinating about bringing the word this morning because I'm talking about a topic that I can really relate to and I don't like it. And the topic I'm talking about is procrastination. (laughs) You see, I'm one of those people who would say, one day I'm going to get help for my procrastination problem. I'm the sort of person who sits down at the computer and has to do book work, pay the bills and enter the statements. And I'll just sit there and I'll go, oh, just check Facebook before I start, just to see what's going on Facebook. So I look on Facebook and check my messages and then, oh, someone's put on a clip and have a look at that clip and that leads to another clip and that leads to another clip. And an hour later, I'm looking at the life cycle of an albatross in Antarctica (laughs) um, and I'm thinking, why am I doing this? It's really helping me with my bookwork. So then I go back to my bookwork and I think, but just before I start, I could have got another message in that hour. So I'll just quickly have a look at my messages. And then someone's put a clip up of an X Factor audition. They're the things I love to watch, where someone comes up and they've just, they don't look the part, but they've just end up blowing away the judges with their amazing voice. And then just the feeling that you feel like, wow, good on you, you did it, you know, and they're all gobsmacked. And so I watch that one and then I watch the next one. And then I watch the next one, which leads to another one. And then I watch my all-time favourite, which I always go back to, and that's the one of Susan Boyle, where she gets on stage and she just doesn't look like the part at all. She looks... Um, just a bit daggy, I suppose, and, and, and not what the judges are looking for. And then she just comes out with this amazing voice. And doesn't your heart just swell because you just think of her and her mother's died and now she's doing what her mother wanted her to always do. And you know what I'm doing right now? I'm procrastinating. <laughs> because I've got to start this message. But that's what procrastination is. You know what? The enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. But God has come to give us life and life in abundance. You know, procrastination steals our time, kills our dreams and destroys our future. And that sounds pretty heavy, doesn't it? Because we've all procrastinated at one time or another. And some of us, because of our personalities and the way we are, can have that habit more than others. Some some of us are more... um, disciplined in their thinking, and some of us just need that panic monster to come and say, you better get started now because it's, it's, time is running short, and then you work under pressure. But procrastination is a mindset that focuses on the flesh. Procrastination seeks pleasure and avoids pain. But God wants us to be focused on the spirit because that leads to a life of peace It leads to life and peace. See, we want fun and easy. We don't want pain. But when it comes to procrastination in our journey with God, when I think about personal growth and transformation, we love the prophetic words, we love the encouragement from people, and we get excited about that. Yay! It's so good, and and, and our spirits get stirred up. But we're not too excited about the process that's attached to that prophetic word. You know, I've discovered that when you get a prophetic word, it means change. It's great to get a prophetic word. 
It's fantastic, but I've learned that it means change. It means that something that God is wanting to upgrade you to a new level. He wants to lift you up to a new way of thinking. And that is not going to happen overnight. That's going to require transformation and growth. And that's the thing that we don't want, transformation and growth, when it requires hard work. We want the growth, but we want God to be like to have a wand and just wave it over us and say, whoop, okay, now you're going to be that teacher of the word that I've always wanted you to be. Yay! No, (laughs) that's going to require a process. That's going to require study and training. That's going to require character moulding. If God did that, then we wouldn't have the character to sustain what he wants to do in us because it requires growth. It requires transformation. It requires a renewing of the mind. And that's what we tend to avoid because that can be hard work. See, sometimes some of us go up the front for prayer because we realise there's a deficit in our lives. And and I'll use myself for an example. For a long time, I didn't have an understanding of the father heart of God, of the love of God as a father. And that came because my father found it hard to demonstrate love and affection towards me. So I felt that God was ambivalent towards me and didn't really... He loved me, but he wasn't affectionate towards me. He didn't love me as much as he loved others. And so I would, I would feel that deficit and I would often go up the front for prayer when there was an altar call for that. And you can think of an example where you have in your life where you know that there's a deficit. And God's um, tapping on your tapping on your heart and saying, there's a deficit there. I want to help you with that. And you go, yep, great. And so you go up the front and you receive this beautiful word. Someone prays for you and it's an amazing word. And you feel the touch of God in your life. You feel his presence and you're so thankful. Thank you, God. And then you you leave the church. You think, yep, that was a really lovely word. I feel good. And for a few days, you, you feel good. You walk out the church and you even say to yourself, and this is what I used to say, yep, today I'm going to change. It's all going to change from now on. But then I get home and a few days later, the normal world kicks in and I haven't renewed my mind about what God was telling me. You see, I think that my response, that I've fulfilled my obligation. I've gone up the front and I said, yep, I acknowledge God, I've got a a deficit. And I think, well, God's going to do the rest. No, my response actually comes later when I... Allow God and the Holy Spirit to renew my mind. When I every day take the scriptures that I need to take about the Father heart of God and speak them over, to, over myself. When I get the books that I need to read of other people's experiences about their walk with the Father heart of God. And then I need to take the scriptures again and speak them over myself. I need to meditate on that every single day. And it gets hard because your flesh doesn't always feel like it. I should get into the word today. I should uh, meditate with God today. But your flesh doesn't feel like it, so you procrastinate. And all of us do that. And then we wonder why I'm not changing. Why aren't I changing? I go up from the front for prayer and we get negative and we get pessimistic and we say to other people, oh, yeah, well, it's really great what God's doing in your life, but he's really not doing much in mine. And then we become cynical. And some of us even down the track end up out of the back door of the church because we've, we've just become disheartened and cynical And it's because we haven't wanted to do the work that's required to receive that 
the love of, if I speak to myself, the love of the Father that he wants to give, to give me, I haven't sat with that. I haven't renewed my mind about that. I haven't declared things over my life about that. Do you get what I'm saying? Because this is the reason why some of us think, why isn't God working in my life? He does want to work in your life, but we have to partner with him to do that. And I'm going to talk to you quickly about a book in the Bible that you may not have read that much, and it's called the book of Haggai, and it's the third last book in the Old Testament. And I'm going to show you through that book about how procrastination affected them and what God spoke to them over it and what Haggai can speak to us now. I'm not going to read the whole book. I'm just going to skim over the verses. We're going to do it in a fairly quick manner, so don't worry. We're not going to sit there and read this whole book. But I just want to set you up with, with the background of, of, of Haggai. What happened is that the Jews had been in exile for 70 years in Babylon. And then King Cyrus of Persia, he uh, conquered Babylon. And then he allowed a remnant of the Jews to go back to Jerusalem, back to their um, homeland. And in doing that, the Jews went back and found that the city was in ruins because Babylon had conquered them 70 years ago. The city was in ruins. The temple was in ruins. The whole town was destroyed. And God had instructed them through Haggai to rebuild the temple because God knew that it was there in his presence. When his presence was there, it would be a symbol of his presence and it would be an, and a reminder of them of, to them of God's covenant with them. So it was very important that they started rebuilding the temple. And they did. But after about two years, they had quite a bit of opposition from the Gentiles that were in the area, from the Samaritans that were there, and from the foreign powers that were there, the foreign rulers. So even though they had permission to rebuild the temple, it was a difficult task. And after two years, they gave up. It was too hard. It was too difficult. It wasn't easy like we thought it would be. Um, God instructed us to do that, but it's, it's a bit hard. We're giving up. So what happened is Haggai in verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, says to the people, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Now the reason that they thought the time hadn't come was because it was so hard. So if it's so difficult and the circumstances around it are difficult, it mustn't be God's time. So we're going to go and do something else. They had good intentions to build the temple. We have good intentions to do things in our lives. And because we've, and I've experienced this, yep, I'm going to read the word for a half an hour every single day and then I'm going to watch a DVD that talks to me, that shows me the Bible in 24 hours. I actually had this set. It was a DVD set, the Bible in 24 hours, reading the word. And I purposed myself, that's what I was going to do. Now, this, believe it or not, was about 20 years ago. <clears throat> and so what happened was I started. I think I lasted probably three or four days. And distractions came and, and circumstances got in the way. <clears throat> and it got a bit hard to carry it on. So I stopped. <clears throat> and you'll know that that book and that DVD set is still sitting on my shelf. And every time I go past it, I look at it and 24 hours, the Bible, in 24 hours... I still haven't done that 20 years ago. But I had a good intention. And sometimes we think our good intentions are good enough. Oh, God knows I want to do that. God knows I'm keen. God knows I'm going to do it one day. 
And so our good intentions deceive us and trick us into thinking, I'm on the journey, I'm doing okay, God knows. And this is what happened to the people, the Jews, that they thought, well, God knows we want to build the temple. He knows it's a bit hard for us. He'll be okay with it. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for yourselves to live in your expensive panelled houses while this house of the Lord lies in ruins? So what they were doing is what they were focusing on their flesh. It's too hard to do what God's asked us to do. We're going to look after ourselves. We're going to look after our own comfort. We're going to look after our own homes. We're going to build ourselves up. So the real reason was they weren't willing to put God first. Circumstances got hard and their their priorities went askew. Then Haggai says in verse 5, The word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways and thoughtfully reflect on your conduct. Now through the book of Haggai, God says that four or more times. Consider your ways. So if he's saying that, then it's something that we have to listen to and we have to consider our ways. So he says, and he's making it clear to them that the consequences of their procrastination and wrong priorities is this. You've sown much and brought in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. You earn wages, but you earn wages to put into a bag with holes. So that's what was happening to them because they hadn't put God first. Something was missing. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I might take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. So God says, I'm actually the reason behind you not prospering in spirit, soul and body, physically, materially and spiritually. All the efforts that you are working towards, they're being short-circuited. Why? Because of this one infallible principle that runs through the whole of Scripture and that is for us today and that we know it. And when I say it, you'll know it. God was trying to wake them up and say to them, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And that's our word today as well, is seek ye first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added unto you. He will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. You see, God wanted to be their priority. He wanted to take pleasure in their worship and he wanted to take pleasure in blessing them as his chosen people. See, he knew that the blessing that would be if they built the temple, if they focused on him, that they would be empowered by worshipping him, that they would receive the blessing of that and that his people would be strong in the land, that they could stand against the enemy. You see, building the temple would posture them to experience all the joy of God and all the provision of God. And of course, there's a deeper message for us in this because we are the temple of God. Corinthians says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Peter says you are living stones built up. You are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what are we doing to build our inner world? God instructed the the Jews to build the temple. He's 
instructing us to build our temple, to build our inner world because we have the Spirit of God in us. He lives in us. So what are we doing, our, in a, what are we doing to strengthen ourselves in that? What are we doing to build our temple? Where are our priorities? Are our priorities looking to the Spirit and building our temple so that God can work through us? Or are our priorities looking to the flesh and just being comfortable and life being easy? And you know, a friend of procrastination is blame. See, when we procrastinate, we've got to have a reason for, okay, why am I doing this? Oh, it's because it's too hard. Um, you wanted me to learn about the Father heart of God, but you just don't realise that the mindset I have that I got from my childhood and growing up is just too hard to deal with. I can't get rid of it. It's there all the time. It's just too hard. And so we use blame as an excuse. But I want to put it to, to you today that no matter what's happened in your life, no matter who's hurt you, no matter who's wounded you, no matter who's rejected you, no matter who's been critical towards you and been negative towards you, no matter how hard it is to change the mindsets that you've grown up with, no matter whose fault it was that you grew up with those mindsets, no matter how hard it is, it's your responsibility and it's my responsibility to seek God with all my heart. Because when I seek him with all my heart, I will find him. It's no one else's to blame. I can change from this day forward because I have the Spirit of God in me and I am empowered by the Holy Spirit and I have the power of the blood of Jesus washed over me. So there is no excuse. There is no excuse for my procrastination. There is no excuse for not moving forward in God other than my desire just to want to please my flesh and not God. We need to know God's word and apply it to our lives. We need to renew our minds with the word of God. Now, remember when Jesus was tempted by the enemy in the desert? What did he use to thwart the words of Satan? Three times he said, it is written. So if we don't know the word of God, and we're all on a journey in learning the word of God, myself included, but if we don't know the word of God and if we can't grab a scripture, if we know that the enemy gets us in one area, if we don't learn the scriptures about that area, that God has victory for us in those areas, if we don't learn those scriptures, when the enemy attacks us with, those, with that particular area, we're, we're not going to have anything to fight with. Oh, oh, yeah, I am like that. Oh, yeah, oh, I'll give up. It is too hard. I failed last time and, and it's not really who I am anyway. And, and this person told me that they saw that in me and, and it, it wasn't going to happen the way I thought it would. So now and I, I give up. I give up. But if I had scripture to stand against it, i say, no, I am a child of the living God. I am the righteousness of God. Greater is he who is in me than is in the world. And so you use the scripture that God has given you as your word against the enemy is the words against the enemy is your weapon against the enemy so what did God say to the people when they procrastinated he told them what they were doing which I just explained to you and he said to them I am with you says the Lord and he stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel so the people obeyed the voice 
of the Lord, their God, and they feared his presence. They go, yep, you're right, God. We, we want you. We want to follow you. We want to obey you. And they began to build their temple. And he said, I will be with you. And that's what God always says that to us today. I am with you. My spirit lives in you. I am here to empower you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. I bless your coming in and I bless your going out. I am always with you. Then the, a second message came to the, peop- to the Jews. And you know why? Because after a few, after, I think it was after two months, they quit building the wall again. And we know from the book of Ezra that overlaps Haggai that the reason they quit, actually it was three weeks, sorry, the reason they quit is because they came up against negativity and criticism. So how often is it with you that you start something because you think it's going to be really good for you and then after a little while you come up against negativity and criticism? And I'll use something really, really simple like, um, well, it's not simple, but you might decide that there's a group of people that you associate with and they're quite negative and they can be quite negative about other people and I've experienced this growing up. And when you're with them, you tend to find yourself being negative about other people with them because that's just the way it is. And you sort of laugh and, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And make jokes about uh, people at their expense. And so you determine that you're not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to uh, criticise people anymore. I'm not going to be negative. God, I want to have your view of people. I'm going to love people for who they are. I see their, their flaws, but I love them the way that you love them. And so you decide you're not going to do that. And so you're with that group of people and they start doing the same thing, being negative, and you don't. And it can get awkward. And I've experienced it. They're talking about someone and you don't join in. And they look at you and they realise that you're not joining in. And because I was a people pleaser at heart, I go, oh, they're not going to like me now because I'm not joining in with their criticism. And it's hard. It's a simple, it's a simple example, but it's hard. And so, but you've got to stand your ground and, and just not say anything or I don't know if there is a time to say anything, but just, in the, just don't say anything. And that, that's where negativity and criticism come in. Oh, so what's wrong with you? Oh, are, are you, um, you know, too righteous for us now? And I'm sure you've heard things like that in the past as well from yourself. You're too righteous for us. And it's hard, but that's where we have to stand firm on what the word of God says to us. And what happened to these people, the Jews, was that not only were they getting criticism from the, from the foreign powers and from the Gentiles around them, they were getting criticism from their own people. And that's what can happen to us too. We start something new or start a, a, a walking into something that we feel God's called for us and we get criticism from our family. Saying, oh, I don't know, that's a good idea. Oh, it's, I don't know if you should be doing that. And this is what was happening to them. And you know why they got criticism from their own people? Because they were saying to them that, wow, the temple you're building now, that's nothing compared to what we had 70 years ago when Solomon's temple was here. Solomon's temple was full of gold and silver and and beauty. Your temple, wow, that just looks like a shack. And that's what they were experiencing. And so they stopped. And the Lord says through Haggai, Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, and be strong, Joshua, and be strong, the people of the land, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. 
We have to remain strong through those times of criticism. We have to know that the Lord is with us and that he has called us for, the, for that purpose, for such a time as that, and that we don't give up on that no matter how small it looks compared to what it was in the past. Often we look at the, back at the past and think like, oh, well, I, I failed then and I'll probably fail again or oh, things have changed now and it's not as good as it used to be and, and, and I don't think I'm going to be able to do it that way anymore. And, we, and Paul himself says in the word, you know, we don't look, forget the things of the past and look forward to what God has for you. Yeah. And then in Zechariah, he was around the same time as Haggai as well. And you all know this verse because it's a verse that we've heard a lot. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's what Zechariah spoke to the the Jews at that time as well. It's by my spirit in you that will empower you to do the work. So ignore the criticism around you and focus on me. Don't focus on how it's making you feel. Focus on me. Don't worry if things don't, don't look as good as they, they're supposed to yet. I've got a great future for you. I am always lifting you up and I'm always making you look forward. So any progress is good progress. So you, as Joyce Myers says, you may not be where you want to be, but you're a lot further along than you were right. yesterday. Right. And I just love that, um, and I've used it many times just in my own life, that little clip from Finding Nemo. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. And that's what we have to do. We just have to keep thinking, okay, God, I'm going to keep moving in you. I'm going to keep trusting you. Just keep trusting. Just keep trusting. God is faithful. You've got to sing songs to yourself. You know I sing songs to myself. <laughs> Philippians says, I'm fully, Paul says in Philippians, I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious expression of grace in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you through your union with him and will complete it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God's not going to give up on us. So we don't give up on God. We keep going. And then Haggai gave them this amazing piece of encouragement after that. And it's God speaking to us today. For thus says the Lord of hosts, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the, to the desire of all nations." Who is Jesus? And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. So Haggai was encouraging the people about the fulfillment of Jesus that would happen many, many years later. And that what they were building now was going to, in the future become an amazing fulfilment of an amazing prophecy that he had a hope and a future for them. But what does it say to us today? We live in the fulfilment of that prophecy. We live in the fulfilment of Jesus having died on the cross for us, that his spirit lives in us and that we are the righteousness of God because of the blood of Jesus on the cross. So what God is saying to us in this is that we are going to go from glory to glory. That we're moving in degrees. And it says in Corinthians, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So from one degree of glory to another. 
And that's personally and in our circumstances. So if we stay focused on God, he's moving us along from glory to glory. And that the latter temple, so what, we've, what we are now is nothing compared to what God's got for us in the future. If we stay focused on him, if we stay focused on God, his future for us is amazing. And that's the hope we cling to. And that's the verse we've already heard today. He's come to give us a hope and a future. We can't compare the past with the future. We have to keep looking forward. And we can't compare what God is doing in us with other people. And that's a danger that Satan will come in and say, well, yeah, you know, you've grown a bit. But look at, look at, look at Jordan. He's amazing. You're, you know, his journey is incredible. And that's, yeah, well, he's really moved a lot, along a lot further than I have. That's true. And then you begin to get downhearted about what God's doing in you. Oh, it's just too hard. And then you procrastinate. So don't compare yourself to one another because we're all on a different journey. God's got us all on a different path. And we don't know, always know, we get an idea of the future that God's got for us. But we stay in hope knowing that we've got the victory because the battle is the Lord's, but the victory is ours because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. The third message that Haggai brings to his people confirms that it is a process because according to history... We know that they again stopped on working on the temple. After God built them up again and said, your, your ladder, the ladder house will be greater than the former, they got excited and they started building the temple again. But then after a couple of months, they stopped again. And we can relate to it, can't we? You know, stuff comes, circumstances are thrown our way and we just, we just stop again. It all gets too hard. It had been... 21 days to be exact, I think it was. And you said, the, the Jews said to the Lord, and you said that things would change, that once we started working on the temple, that our circumstances would change, that we would no longer uh, be hungry, we would no longer um, be, uh, have no money. You, you said things would change, God. You said. And how God responded to them through Haggai was to explain to them that even though they are working on the temple... The works of their hands were still unclean. What this is saying to us is that God set you on a course and you've got a direction to go and you're working and you're being obedient to him into what he's calling you to do and we want things to happen in a hurry and we say after a month or two, well, nothing's changing. And that's because we, the renewing of our mind is a process you see, it's like, that's a bit like legalism that, well, if I go to church every Sunday and if I read my Bible every day and if I um, be nice to people and are generous and kind, then everything's going to go my way. No, you have to renew your mind and be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you become more and more like Jesus going from glory to glory. It's a process to see these things outworked. It's not going to happen just because you're doing the right thing. It's going to happen because you've partnered with God in the process. That he's talking to you about a habit that you've got and you decided, yep, I'm going to work, I'm going to work on slaying that habit. I'm going to work on changing and renewing my mind about that. He's talked to me about the Father heart of God. If I continue on my journey with God without understanding 
his deep, deep love for me, I'm eventually going to fall in a heap again. If I haven't renewed my mind about that, then something, trouble will come. And, and Jesus said we will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we will have trouble, but we, we ask Jesus for help. We, you, we use the word of God and we speak that over our lives. We, we will have trouble coming. But if I haven't renewed my mind about the Father heart of God, when that trouble comes, I'll fall in a heap again. Because I don't understand how much God loves me and how much he's for me. So it's a process. And he's saying to the Jews, it's a process. Keep going. Don't give up just because you don't see things happening. And we all know that God works underneath. It's, it's like that tapestry that when you look underneath, it's a big mess. But when you turn it over, it's a beautiful picture. So things aren't always happening as quick as we think they should be. But God is at work. Don't give up. And the fourth message he, he brings to them is, is like a bonus message. They haven't given up. They've started work on the temple again. And it's actually not a bonus message. It's actually the gospel. It's actually it's our message today. That he says to them that I know there's foreign rulers all around. I know life is hard and I know life is tough. But I, I will, don't worry, I will destroy the powers of this kingdom I will bring their chariots to naught because they just saw people around them all the time, the foreign rulers around them all the time. I will break you loose from the bondage of this people and I'm going to take Zerubbabel, the man who stands as a leader of the people, and make him a signet ring. Now, Zerubbabel was in the line of David and we know that Jesus was a descendant of Zerubbabel and so ultimately that prophetic word was fulfilled in Jesus. So he's saying to them, I will bring you the victory. And that is what he's saying to us today. The victory is ours, but the battle is the Lord. So we as an individual, we need to renew our minds and be, get into the process of transformation and partner with God to possess the land, the spiritual territory that's rightfully ours and that Jesus bought for us. You see, God wants to destroy the powers of darkness through us. He wants us to take the seven mountains of society. He wants us to take down the giants of the world system and bring his kingdom here to earth. And that's what he's promised. And because he's promised, he will do it. So what's Haggai saying to us? What's the book of Haggai saying to us? When we procrastinate, Get your priorities right with God. Be purposeful and persevere, knowing that God is faithful and trustworthy. Be strong in your spirit. Know that you have spiritual dominion. Take those lies from the enemy. Know the word of God. Use them as a weapon against the enemy and trample him under your feet. Yes, trouble will, will come because we live in a broken world. But we have the victory in God. We can trample the enemy, but we have to know the word of God. There is no way around that. There is no way of having victory without knowing the word of God in your life. That is a given. And if that is a discipline for you that you have to go and read the word of God, then get into doing that discipline because that is so important. That did that's, that's your victory. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. I'm saying it because you want abundant life. Amen. So you need to use the words as a weapon. But I want to say to you, you see, getting rid of procrastination does take control and discipline. 
and walking, it's walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. But I thought about this. What if knowing God's delight in you takes higher priority than discipline? What if knowing God's delight in you has greater priority in your life or should have greater priority in your life than discipline? What if discipline becomes easy because it's a follow-on from your delight in God? What if procrastination could become obsolete in your life because you embrace discipline as a gift? A gift that produces a way forward, allowing you to be strengthened in character and to, to develop and mature spiritual fruit. What if discipline was a gift? You see, when we delight in the Lord, he delights in us. And when the Lord delights in us, we delight in the Lord. Zephaniah, the Lord your God will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Psalms, God's, Psalm states that God delights in every step we take to follow him. Micah, he delights in mercy and in showing unfailing love. Psalms again, for the Lord takes delight in his people and he crowns the humble with victory. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You see, if we, if we want to change our thinking and we want to renew our minds and be transformed by the renewing of our minds then I believe that we need to see transformation as a pleasure and not as a discipline. We need to see it as a gift from God, that he has a hope and a future for us. And how exciting is that, that he delights in us? You see, he sees you not as you are now, but as you are going to be, as, as you are becoming. You see, if I imagine myself, and I want you all to imagine yourself as this, as a mighty warrior before God, that you're the sort of person or that you are the person that operates in all the gifts of the Spirit, that you are a person that when you walk into a room, you carry the presence of God and people feel a change in the atmosphere, that you're the sort of person that when you walk down the street, your shadow goes past people and they feel the power of God and they are healed. That's how God sees us. We are the righteousness of God. We have all the giftings that Jesus had when he walked on this earth. We have them. We have all the power that Jesus had. That's how God sees us. So what an exciting future that we have. Transformation should be a pleasure. I want to get to that place as quick as possible. And I know God can accelerate us as well. So I don't want anyone here to sit and think, well, you know, it's too late for me now. It's just, it's all too hard and I'm getting a lot older now and it's just too late. I've missed the boat. And you know that's how I used to feel. But God can accelerate anything and it's never too late to change. His mercies are new every single day. His mercies are new for us. I want to finish with Psalm 37 because it really summed up everything that I've been speaking about today. And I'm reading it from the Passion Translation. Keep trusting the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. That's priorities. 
Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure, feasting on his faithfulness. That's purposefulness and persevering. If you make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, he will provide for you what you desire the most. That's just really good news. Give God the right to direct your life. Surrender to the process. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly. That's partnering with him. So church, I pray for you and for myself because I'm always preaching to myself. You know, whenever I preach, it's always a message that God is talking to me about that he's putting a finger on an area in my life. And I know that that is going to speak to people here who, because I think I'm pretty normal and I'm sure some of you have gone through the same things that, have, that I've gone through. Yeah. And so I pray, church, that you'll begin to see procrastination slain in your life, yeah. that your transformation and growth towards God won't be something hard to do, but that'll be a delight because of how much God delights in you and how much you delight in God, that it will be a joy, that even when trouble comes and difficult circumstances come, that you can still see the gift in that because God will use everything for his good and for his glory. And no matter what the enemy meant for evil, he will use for good. So rather than coming under the weight of, of hardship and difficulties, that we will go, okay, God, I'm going through this, but what's the gift in it for me? What do you want to show me through this? And how can I step up on that to the, to the next level? Because God always wants to upgrade us to a new place of thinking, you know, no matter what he throws at us. So no matter what the enemy throws at us, God will use that to upgrade us to a new way of thinking. So let me pray for you. Yeah. God, I just thank you that you are so faithful. That all through the times that the Jews in the book of Haggai stopped work, Lord, because they procrastinated, that you came with hope and that you came with love and that you encouraged them and that you told them, Father, to, to keep going. I am with you. My spirit is in you. I have a great hope and a great future for you, that you were, for, that you were forever lifting them up and making them look forward. And you do the same to us today, God. I thank you, God, that we can learn from these stories, but I thank you that we are in the fulfillment of that prophecy, that Jesus was the desire of all nations, and we live in the fulfillment of that prophecy. We thank you for the blood of Jesus on the cross. We thank you for the power of the blood in our lives, that we don't have to procrastinate, but that we can look forward with joy and delight, Lord, because you are leading us on from glory to glory, that your hand is upon us, that you love us, that we are secure in you, Father. I pray for each one of my friends here, God, that as we move forward, Lord, that we would learn, God, to respond to what you say to us, that we would begin to renew our minds with pleasure and with delight, that we would be transformed and that we would grow, Father, and that it would be with joy, God, and that even though at times it may be difficult and that the journey ahead can throw things at us, God, that may be difficult, that we would look for the gift in it and that we would still know, God, that it's your peace that passes understanding 
that keeps us secure, God, that keeps us knowing, Father, that you love us, that you care for us, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. I thank you, God, and I know, Father, that you have a great hope and a great future for each one of us. And I pray that we walk in that every day, that we take your word as a weapon and as a sword, Lord, that we learn scripture, God, that specifically speaks to us, God, and that we use that as a weapon against the enemy because the victory is ours, God. And we thank you for that, Father, that you've done the hard work in the battle and that we share the victory with you. And we thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.